For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. On today's show, I have Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com. It's the official team website for the Atlanta Hawks. He's covering the team. He's there in practice every day. He sees them you know, front row and center and, and has uh, relationships with these guys. And I just thought he'd be great to have on this particular episode because there's been a lot of talk about John Collins and him being a trade target for the Wizards and whether or not it makes sense. And I've seen a lot of just sort of, you know, different perspectives on what Collins brings to the table. So I figured let's have somebody that actually has like firsthand knowledge and watches him every game and some real, you know, subject matter expertise to come in and talk about what Collins actually would provide and what the fit would be like with Washington. And I I think you guys are going to really enjoy this because I think there's a lot of stuff there that maybe clears up some misconceptions about Collins's game and, you know, specifically about him as a defender, I think is going to be really interesting to a lot of folks. So uh, Kevin is again, super knowledgeable. It's like the equivalent of having like a, you know, Chase Hughes or somebody on, on, from the Wizards perspective, like it, it's, you know, a person that is like front row and center. So I, I think Kevin um, is perfectly suited to kind of give us that perspective that maybe some of us lack on, on the other teams that we don't watch as closely. I talked to him also about DeLon Wright and why he couldn't get into the rotation more in Atlanta. So I think there's some interesting back and forth there. And then also, you know, Cam Reddish is another name that keeps coming up uh, with any potential Kuzma to the Knicks trades. And I think there's a lot of Wizards fans that still, you know, like and value Reddish as a player slash prospect, whatever. And, uh, you know, Kevin's seen uh, Reddish a lot up close and personal. So I figured, you know, Kevin would be a really good person to kind of just tell us what we could realistically expect from somebody like Cam Reddish and if he's worth even taking a flyer on at this point. So again, uh, Kevin Chouinard, a writer for Hawks.com. He also hosts the ATL and 29 podcast, an Atlanta Hawks podcast. So again, interesting perspective. I hope you all liked it. Before we get to that conversation, just a word from our sponsor at Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my conversation with Kevin Chouinard. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by Kevin Chouinard of Hawks.com and the host of the ATL and 29 podcast. Kevin, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
The first question we ask all new guests on the show, uh, which NBA player does your own basketball game most closely resemble? Uh, I, I, I guess, uh, if, if you force me and, and I could really flatter myself, I'd like to say Andre Miller. Ooh, I like that. Got some post moves. Yeah. Try to be a, a, a guard post player. Try to be smart. Try to be slow and strong. He, he might actually be the best wizards backup point guard of the last two decades. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, popular name here too. So good call. As I mentioned to you offline and, and for folks in, in the soft intro here, just want to talk a little bit about John Collins and just his name has been a popular one as it uh, comes to sort of wizard trade candidates for, for the upcoming deadline here. We're still a ways away, but you know, chatter's already started. So I guess every year it seems like John Collins is the guy on the trade block. Is this the year he finally actually gets traded away from the Hawks? It's it's been a while, right? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, it, it it's hard to say, but it you know, it it, it could be the year. Uh, it, I, I guess a little it's... more. I don't know what the word is. Instability isn't the right word, but there's mm-hmm. a little just a little more malaise, you know, with Travis Schlenk leaving, like. Not leaving, but uh, moving to a senior advisory role. Effectively uh, leaving, right? Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I think given those changes, uh, it, it makes it a little bit more likely. Is is that something on his end? Like he wants a different role or uh, like, I guess, is he just a, an exciting player perhaps? Or that's a name people keep throwing out there? Or do you think there's, you know, it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire situations that he's someone they have actively tried to trade the last couple of years? that is also a good question um you know he seems like a really good teammate he's really good with the media he's 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 upbeat and he gets it Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know there's always been the a couple of behind the scenes uh sentiments of hey you know i really wish i could have a little bit of a different role um so i mean i think that's part of it i think part of it is this you know you've got a team that's kind of in the middle of the pack has been in the middle of the pack for a few seasons now and if you believe in in the centerpiece then then the next best trade asset is is the second best player who collins probably is and has been for a while on the hawks mm-hmm. So this isn't uh he's like an active detractor in the locker room or or like a real problem causer or anything like that, right? It's more just maybe, hey, something where I, I'd like to show I've got a little more to do or a little more in my game here that I haven't been able to show off next to Trey. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily next to Trey. Maybe it's next to Clint. I think, you know, oh, once Clint Capella, they made, they made the Clint Capella trade and it took a mm-hmm. while for Clint to get in the lineup sure. uh, because he was injured when they acquired him. But you know, I don't I don't think John's necessarily unhappy with Clint, but I think that changed the way that he was used. Um, you know, he's an unbelievable role man mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to do that uh, when he's out there with Clint. The, the funny thing is, like, honestly, the best thing about the Hawks this entire season is that when they put John Collins and Clint Capella out there together. They're gangbusters like they it's just a mm-hmm. mean lineup to score against. Um so, like, offensively, I think that kind of sits poorly with him. But, sure. uh, you know, 
even if the offense gets a little bit clunky and Collins doesn't love his role, um, boy, it sure does work because the, the defense uh, gets really, really good when both of them are out there. It's actually a perfect segue into sort of my, my next question, realistically, is I think there's been sort of this narrative around Collins that he didn't start out as a particularly good defender. And I think that's maybe kind of stuck with him, uh, you know, around fans of the league that don't really watch the Hawks on a regular basis. I think I spent more time watching them over the last two years than I have, you know, so far this year. But uh, he, he looks at least like a pretty solid defender to me and, and maybe at least underrated. I guess, how would you sort of evaluate uh, Collins's defense? Uh, before I get to that, it, it's kind of remarkable. Um, I, I got in trouble with John this week Ooh, okay. because I wanted to probe how remarkable it was. And I was like, John, you, you were a bad defender as a rookie. How the hell are you this good now? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And he's like, no, I, I wouldn't say I was bad. I was like, John, John, you were kind of bad. And, yeah. I mean, like, and he never gets upset. He was sure. upset with me. Wow. Okay. Um, so that didn't go over really well. Yeah, there you go. You got to ask the tough questions sometimes. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense that he's this good. Like last night, it's like, okay, DeAndre Hunter's not there, and DeAndre Hunter's a little bit too small. Uh, what are we gonna do with with Kevin Durant? It's like, oh, hey, John Collins is here. Like that's not like Kevin Durant's gonna score his points, but you know, all of a sudden, like it's not a deficiency that you feel bad about that you have John Collins guarding Kevin Durant. They get this. Six nine guy who can move, uh, you know, knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. gets to spots, can challenge shots, can rebound, can get above the rim to challenge shots. Like he's he's quite a handful. Like he can switch. You know, the the one thing that maybe is a little bit of a detractor is he's just not that big. Sure. So it gets a little bit tricky to try to use him as a center mm-hmm. uh, against you know some really big lineups. Like he's. And it's not even that he's not big. He's like 6'9", but he doesn't also doesn't have like the overwhelming wingspan to go with it either. So it's like, but at the same time, you know, I think he's like top 15 in shot blocks this season. Like he can really protect the rim, but, um, you know, it, it works better when he and Capella are both out there. He's like a secondary rim protector. Like they can send Clint to the offensive glass mm-hmm. and John gets back on defense. And it's not a rewarding job. It doesn't show up in the statue. You kind of see like, hey, you know, why are you a little bit unhappy? Well, I don't get any numbers out of that, right? There are no offensive rebounds. There are no putback points. Like he gets the dirty job of running back on defense and being the rim protector in transition. Like Mm. he's really good at it. It's a less (laughs) glamorous job there. Capella is a better offensive rebounder. It makes sense. A Kung is a better offensive rebounder. So you send those guys to the rim, but you know, John's good at it too. Like there are very, very few things that John is bad at. Like he's a, he's an outstanding role, man. He's his post game is a little bit funky, but it's really, really good. Like every season you look up what Collins is shooting and it's like on 2% shots, 55%, 60%, maybe a little over 60%. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, just a variety of post moves and it's always a little bit clunky because he's not the heaviest guy. So it feels like he doesn't get the greatest post position. And, you know, it kind of feels like sometimes guys can get away with fouling him. Like last night, uh, Yuta Watanabe was just beating the crap out of him to get him off his spot. And it's like, number one, that's a foul. But number two, like you you lose a little bit of something because he just can't hold that spot. But Mm -hmm. even when he doesn't hold the spot, like he he has like these awkward, like, I'm just going to jump up and put up like this twisting hook shot into contested defense. And he's remarkable at it. Like he has these over the left shoulder moves. 
uh, that are just really good. He has a sort of a clean, like inside pivot that he, he can use to kind of set up like a 10 foot jump shot. And if you take that away, he's going to the rim to finish. He can dunk, he can work as a role man. Like all of his offense is good. And he had a three point shot until this season, but sometime in the last season, he messed up the ring finger knuckle on his right finger. And I don't know if there's a correlation or not, but since then he hasn't been a particularly good three point shooter. And that goes back to the whole Capella thing because they use him as just kind of a stand in the corner three point shooter way too much. Right. Uh, it kind of, you know, discards some of his talents to do mm. that. And, and now he's stuck kind of doing something that he's usually okay at and for the last eight or nine months hasn't been particularly good at. Yeah, for anybody that's not seen the Collins finger injury and you're a, a sadist or a masochist or whatever, give it a Google. It's called a boutonniere deformity, I guess. And uh, Cleveland Clinic described it as a condition that affects your ability to straighten the middle joint of a finger. And it's basically just like he has this gigantic extra knuckle, like the size of a strawberry. I don't know, like uh, in, in, you know, on, on, I think it's his ring finger on his yes. shooting hand. So yep. Uh, I could see how that would be uh, problematic when when trying to shoot the ball with any amount of but, touch. Yeah, and then the funny thing is it hasn't affected his two-point shot. It hasn't affected his free throws. Like, I just think that all along, like, the three-point shot was just kind of okay, but he's just mm. – he's a perfectionist, and he just kind of – I don't know that his form is necessarily, you know, classically beautiful, um, but, you know, he's made it work, and I think, you know, you just – ding that a little bit i don't think he has enough to kind of keep it all together and and combat through whatever he's got going with his with this finger thing maybe his uh, actual like field goal percentage overall has dropped from 58 percent to 49 percent over the last four years but i think a large portion of that is is factoring in that pretty drastic decrease from the three-point line he's down from 35 percent last year down to about 23 percent so far this year and he was right. closer to 40 the seasons before that and Right. Like you said, it, it's maybe not textbook form, but he looked like a solid, competent floor spacer. And, and I think for the Wizards, that's something that they they would really need from a power forward. Uh, you know, Kuzma is is good at a lot of things, but I wouldn't say he's like a, a knockdown shooter, although he can make tough shots. I think over the course of their careers, I would say that Collins is probably the better of the three point shooters there. Um, so I guess. If if Collins came in and ended up a wizard, that likely means Kyle Kuzma is out, and that's that's playing Collins most likely at the four next to Porzingis. The Wizards have had some success recently playing Gafford and Porz, uh, Daniel Gafford and, and Chris Epps Porzingis together in sort of a big big lineup. I think Collins could do a lot of the things that Gafford brings to them, like you said, protecting the rim as a role man, and Porzingis could still do the floor spacing, but. Uh, Collins is more mobile and could guard on the perimeter and, and is also just a more capable shooter, even if he's, you know, the percentage has dipped a little bit this year. I guess, what would you think about the the pairing of Porzingis and Collins together? I think that would be a nasty combination. <laughs> nasty in a good way. Yeah. Uh, team, teams would have a lot of trouble with that because honestly, the thing that he does best is is work as a role man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And, you know, one of the things that I think the Hawks have, maybe underutilized from Collins that he's but he's shown to be really good at is that you know Trey's in what his fifth season now and what Trey is really good at is punishing teams that try to play a drop defense like if they've got a traditional center who's in a drop defense he's he's gonna make you uncomfortable in that because he is uh, a good enough 
scorer and shooter that you've got to chase over the screen. He's got the floater. If the center drops too far back, he's going to hit the 12, 13 footer over a dropping big. Um, you know, if the big comes up too far, he's tremendous at throwing lob passes. So the Hawks have been really good at making teams uncomfortable when they try to play a drop defense. So over the past few seasons, they've seen more and more zone defense, more and more trapping mm-hmm. defenses where teams just try to get the ball out of Trey's hands. And what Collins has been really good at, as they've seen more of those defenses, is just getting to the free throw line and making a decision from there because he's, he's a, really a, a threat to score when he's 15 feet from the basket, but he's also a competent enough ball handler and a, and a good enough passer to, to make some things happen. Over the last couple of seasons, there have been a lot more uh, lob passes to, to Capella against those mm-hmm. trapping defenses where it's, you know, he's almost in like a Draymond role playing off of Steph. You know, we just kind of get to the free throw line and make the right read in a four on three from the free throw line. Like he's really good at that. Um, so he's diversified his game as as he's gotten older. And like I said before, there there aren't a whole lot of things that he's bad at on offense. He, he can do quite a lot. So one of the things that the Wizards have done uh, and it's worked for for them with Kyle Kuzma so far this year has been him as sort of a a grab-and-go initiator of offense. Is that something that Collins can do at all? Is he a competent enough ball handler that you'd trust him to bring the ball up the court and and maybe start a set or something like that? Um, He hasn't, and I don't, I don't know that they've explored that sure. as much. It doesn't seem like they've tried it. Like There, there aren't a whole lot of times where is it seems like that's been a priority and maybe that's on Trey, maybe that's on the coaching staff because Trey, Trey sure does like to get the ball. In fact, you know, this season, uh, one of the things that seems like something where maybe the Hawks have bristled a little bit um, is that they have a, a second year player in Jalen Johnson, mm-hmm. who's kind of a six, nine sort of freak athlete, good rebounder sort with great handles who mm-hmm. thrives in that role. And, you know, when he's been out there with Trey, there's there's been some confusion about, you know, when is he supposed to grab and go? When is he supposed to get the ball to Trey and sort of defer? And, you know, there have been some quizzical looks back and forth like, hey, you were, you were supposed to give it to me there. And, you know, some some faces that didn't look quite so happy about it. So, it, you know, it might be something where the, the Hawks just haven't. Uh, yeah, I'm let him test that skill set. Haven't tried to do it very much, sure. but the funny thing about you know all these John Collins trades is that Johnson Johnson's really an intriguing second year player. Like mm-hmm. Collins, he's not, just not a shooter. Like he's a worse shooter than Collins yeah. at, at this point. But it almost feels like when you look at the names that are out there for Collins, Kuzma and Jay Crowder, it's like. Yes, they're going to be better shooters than Collins. Are they going to make the Hawks better? Me personally, I don't think so. Like, I think if the Hawks want to be the just play to the best sort of win loss record that they could have this season, irregardless of, you know, player development, I think it might be to sort of just bump Jalen Johnson out of the rotation uh, because. I kind of think they need to play DeAndre Hunter at the power forward a little bit more, maybe next to Capella, so that in turn, if you're putting DeAndre Hunter next to Capella, 
you can get John Collins back to some of these roll man moves, uh, low post moves that, that he thrives at. And he can do that a little bit better playing with Anyeka Kongu than he can with Capella. So uh, me personally, you know, I, I have not seen a John Collins trade yet that warms my heart. They all look like trash. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I've always sort of liked Collins. And, and I think the, again, the narrative around the league is that he's having this, like this really down year overall. And and we talked about the shooting, but again, in limited sample size that I've watched Hawks games, it still looks like he's doing kind of everything else about at the same level as he was previously. So is there something I'm missing there or is it? Just no, sort of in fact, I, I think his defense is better. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's, he's in his, I want to say sixth season, mm, sixth season. My goodness. Sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Time flies. Feels like he, I guess I've been doing this too long because it seems like he just got there, but uh, you know, the, the defense thing really didn't kick in until I want to say like that Eastern conference finals run. That really seems to be about when he, got it going defensively and it's just stayed there last season. It stayed there this season. If, if not gone up a little bit this season, um, he's, re- he's really, really good. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I guess we keep hearing this and it's what we pay attention to because I think Kuzma has been mostly a popular player here, but also someone who's expressed interest in, in maybe going to a bigger market in the offseason. And I don't know if it would be a Collins for Kuzma kind of thing or a three-team deal or, or something like that. But I guess, is that something on on your radar, on Hawks fans' radar? Like, has, is the Wizards' sort of uh, attachment to Collins' name been something that you all are keeping an eye on, I guess? Um, I mean, I do think that he's one of the three or four most uh, common suggestions this season in mm-hmm. terms of rumors and, and in terms of what uh, the Hawks might get for Collins. So I guess in that respect, yes. Is is Collins exclusively a four kind of at this point? Can he play a little three? Is it worth trying him some at the five in a small ball lineup uh, in, in certain situations? I, I guess what's the ideal role for Collins? Like if, if you were going to best utilize him how would you see him kind of deployed? All right. <laughs> I think his best role is playing next to somebody like Porzingis. Oh, okay. Somebody somebody who can shoot, somebody so that, you know, you've got uh I you know, I wouldn't say that Porzingis is an outstanding rebounder, but if you put him out there with Collins and it's two bigs and and Collins is a good rebounder, like they should together get uh enough rebounding, uh you know, they should definitely be able to protect the rim like I, I think the the ideal player to put next to Collins is somebody like Porzingis. Uh, and it uh, seems like the ideal person to put next to Porzingis too is, is that kind of player. He's got a little bit of the best of both worlds thing going on there. Yeah, you need a little bit more post. You need a little bit more rolling. Like I, uh, I think if you just look at you know the players in the NBA over the last couple of seasons who aren't necessarily superstars, and you say which one of them goes best with Collins, 
I, th- I think Porzingis is kind of it. Yeah, that makes sense to, to me a lot, at least on paper. You, you never know until you see them out there together, I guess. But um, the, the Beal-Collins thing, I guess I have sort of less of a, a clear picture of. So the the two-man game between Collins and Trey Young has been pretty good, right? Like they're pretty effective when they do actually run pick and roll together, it seems like. Yeah, I, I think the, that if, if he were on the Wizards, he would thrive and that his usage would go up toward, you know, more towards what he likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be, life would be more difficult because he wouldn't be playing with nearly the the same kind of passing ability that mm-hmm. he has now. Sure. So, you know, it, it would be kind of a mix. Like he's played some with DeJounte this season and, you know, I, for whatever reason, like I think maybe it's just who he played with in San Antonio over the past few seasons. But DeJounte, in in terms of pick and roll, um, he's very comfortable with like the pocket bounce pass mm-hmm. and the Hawks bigs in in uh Akongwu and Capella and Collins like over the past few seasons have got, all gotten very comfortable with the lob. So there's like this little bit of a hey, how do we make this work? Um, it, it, I think they're just faster. Like uh, Murray, Murray's put a lot of passes of, of those pounds pocket, uh, bounce pocket passes. Like he threads the needle beautifully, but then the ball just ends up on their butt because they're just faster and they're they're a little bit further along than he was expecting, I think. Sure. So there's been a little, a little bit of adjustment there. And I, and I think, you know, if Collins comes to Washington, he's going to have to adjust and get used to the fact that um, you know, he's going to have to work out the chemistry with his, his passing partners to, to get that to work. I, I think Beal's actually been pretty good at that lob pass. So that, that actually makes me uh, happy to hear. I, I think I trust him more to throw it above somebody than to try to thread the needle. So that, uh, that works for us. I guess if you were, were, are a betting man, uh, is Colin still a Hawk after, uh, this year's trade deadline? Oh, we've already, we've already gone to Vegas and taken that name off the board. Um, too too much experience to know to say anything one way or the other on that. We, sure. We're like in year four of it, so yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just I just keep thinking at some point, you know, if they talk about a guy enough times, that they're gonna have to pull the trigger at, at some point here. Uh, do you think that's thrown him off at all? Like, has there been any sort of change in mood or temperament from him about just sort of constantly uh, being rumored in situations like that? Um, I mean, I don't think he's shown it, but I think part of the reason that, you know, I think it has maybe come up this season, you know, when, when, you know, when he's talked to management or whatever. So like, I I think that past years have weighed on him this year and maybe that's why it, you know, it's, it's already come up, uh, you know, November, December. Uh, as opposed to maybe something later so uh, he he doesn't show it but uh you know it's possible i guess the wizards have kind of locked in on this like we only want like nice guys and good character locker room guys and and uh selfishly as somebody who who has to ask these guys questions and stuff i'm always happy to hear that like guys are good with the media and, and personable and things like that so that's that's something i didn't know about collins already so i i'm i'm glad to hear that yeah when 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 Seku Smith passed a couple of years ago, Hawks mm-hmm. PR set up uh, an award for the player who works best with the media. And I think it's been two years now. I think Collins won it the first year and Kevin Herter won it last year. So, you know, in the inaugural season of that award, you know, with pretty much everybody available because you weren't going to rule anybody out for, you know, winning it in a prior year or something like that. Um, yeah, he won it. Yeah, that's great to hear. 
Uh, the other member of the Wizards that actually has been a member of the Hawks is DeLon Wright. The Wizards are 15 and 21 right now, which is not great, but they're six and one games when DeLon Wright is healthy and plays, and they have a plus 64 scoring margin in those games. So their best wins of the season have come with DeLon Wright out on the court. And, and this is a guy that wasn't like super in the rotation uh, in Atlanta, I think, for, for most of that tenure. And he's been really good here. I guess it seemed like the Hawks needed sort of a a defensive-minded point-of-attack defender, uh, you know, that could at least keep the ball moving well enough. Not like a great creator for others, but respectable shooter, things like that. I guess, why wasn't Wright able to kind of carve out more of a role in Atlanta? No idea. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Uh, that seems like it should have worked. Like, yeah. they, they, if, if he, I think if he were there this season, that they'd be using him all the time mm-hmm. because they're, they're sort of dedicated to at least to this point of the season, they've uh, kind of used Trey and DeJounte uh, keeping one of them on the court at all times for 48 minutes. And, you know, it, it, it seems like you would, you would want somebody who can guard the ball. They've, they've, they lost a game. What's today? Thursday, Tuesday, they lost a game to Indiana where they just didn't have a person who could guard anybody, stay in front of the ball at all. It it was just mind-boggling. Like every single dribble penetrator just got to wherever they wanted. TJ McConnell included. Um, they sure could use DeLon Wright. Like I, and it doesn't make sense to me because it's like I think I asked Nate early last year, Nate McMillan. I was like, Nate, uh, do you like DeLon Wright because he reminds you of of the way that you played? Yeah. And he goes, No, I was bigger or something like that. I was bigger and stronger or something like that. <laughs> You you should love this guy. Like I, yeah. I, I just don't fully understand why it quite didn't take. I, I guess they wanted part of it was maybe they wanted him to be the point guard mm-hmm. on the ball, and uh, you know Trey's going to play thirty eight, thirty nine minutes a game sure. a lot of nights. Um, but it, it just seems like somebody. He just seems like somebody uh, they could have used a whole lot more of, and definitely somebody they could have use this season as they fought through injuries to Bogdan Bogdanovich and, uh, and others. So I, I, it still kind of boggles the mind. I think if you look at the stats from last year, you know, what, what were just some lineups that clicked and like a, a whole bunch of them had DeLon Wright in them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's what I had seen as well. And it just, I couldn't really understand why that happened. And I think it's what I remember seeing was that uh, Wright and Collins together were actually super effective in their minutes. So that was another sort of uh, intriguing angle to the, to the Collins uh, potential addition here too. And it, it seems like going out and getting DeJounte Murray is like, he's like DeLon Wright on steroids maybe, you know? So if, if it didn't work with Wright, why would it be? I don't know. It, that, that one was just a very confusing one from the outside at the very least. So good to know it was confusing inside as well. Uh, the last person I want to ask you about here is Cam Reddish. So on draft night, Wizards fans kind of universally seemed to want Cam Reddish. Like he was the most popular name, or at least the consensus name. And it seems like a lot of them still really want Cam Reddish. Like we haven't given up that we could be the ones to magically restore uh, Cam Reddish to glory here. As someone who lived the day-to-day Cam Reddish Hawks experience, is he actually any good at basketball? Like have we seen any signs to point to him being like a a productive NBA rotation player at this point. Where, where are you at on Reddish, I guess? Um, I guess, you know, there, there are pluses and minuses 
Um, he's he's got this massive frame. Um, with with a, a really long wingspan. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty smart about basketball. He's an unbelievable shooter. Uh, you know, there are times when you put him on the ball on defense and he can be really, really disruptive as a defender using the frame, using the length, using the smarts. He's very good. Uh, like in transition as like a free safety, like if you throw some kind of lame soft pass in transition or, you know, even something that's only marginally off the mark, um, you know, he just has a nose for the ball to intercept that kind of stuff. He, he's he's good in a lot of ways. I think, you know, if you started to pick apart, well, what's he not good at? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a combination of just sort of realizing what his strengths are. Because I think what he visualizes himself as is, you know, a Paul George type because he's this big wing who can defend, who can shoot. And you think, you know, I think in his own mind, he, he figures, oh, I, I can be the next Paul George. And what he's missing from that equation is he's, uh, I would say, a below average ball handler for somebody that would aspire to that role. Sure. And he's a terrible passer. Like, he just doesn't <laughs> see the floor. Yeah. And so it gets really perilous to try to let him flourish in that role because your passing dies. There's going to be some turnovers because his handle is just not up to that. I think one of the things that he got slightly better at over the seasons since he was a rookie is that he just, you know, he was injured coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he had a whole lot of physical strength. Yeah. So another part of that was, okay, he's if he's unwilling to pass and he wants to sort of thrive in this kind of star role, he's going to have the ball. He's going to take the ball to the basket. Well, he wasn't really strong enough to absorb contact to finish so it was a whole bunch of sort of fall away finishes that didn't they weren't high percentage shots and he wasn't generating a lot of free throws either Mm -hmm. so putting in the ball putting the ball in his hands as a sort of featured player on offense just wasn't working out now can he get to that i mean he's i don't know how old he is now maybe 22 like I, I wouldn't put it past him. There are players who grow. I still have no idea how John Collins is a good defender. Like I watched the first couple of seasons and I was like, well, you know, he's this unbelievable offensive player and, you know, maybe he can get to average and he's gone way past that. So like maybe Cam Reddish could get to that, but you know, it's, it's going to be an uphill climb. And I, I think the first part of it would just be, uh, you know, you know, getting, continuing to get stronger, which he already did. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting getting better with the dribble and and uh, you know as part of getting better with the dribble, you know studying all the film and you know being aware and willing to pass um, would, would would help a lot. Uh, you know going back to last season, I think you know the Hawks came into the beginning of last season with some very high expectations, and one of the things that killed them was Clint Capella just wasn't healthy and like sure. the last. A uh, month of the regular season, two months of the regular season into the postseason, like Clint Capella, you you put it on video and just what he did in those couple of months, he he was defensive player of the year quality for those months. And he was injured and they didn't have that. But the, another thing that really sunk the Hawks coming off of that Eastern Conference finals run is that they were bringing Reddish and Gallinari mm. off the bench together. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that seemed like it would I work don't well. know what it was, but it's like as soon as anybody got the ball, they just wanted to shoot it. Like, yeah. I think Gallinari was pissed off at Reddish. I think Reddish was pissed off at Gallinari. The ball movement on the bench was atrocious. Um, and it was like a weight was lifted. Like, once Reddish got traded, all of a sudden the bench looked like superstars. Lou Williams and Gallo were just laughing their ass off on the bench, like they were having the time of their lives. Like, uh, there was something funky there in those mm-hmm. bench units where. You know, the lack of ball movement, trust in each other, it just wasn't there. When I watched the Hawks games and Reddish actually got a decent amount of minutes, I, I thought what I saw defensively looked pretty solid. And the role I saw him maybe was like a Wizards era, you know, prime auto porter was like the kind of guy he should aspire to be like a bigger wing that could guard reasonably well, has some length, like you said, could get in passing lanes a little bit. And just be like a solid enough knockdown shooter with like his feet set and just like not try to do too much. So I think guys tend to get themselves into trouble when, you know, they see themselves as something that maybe other people don't see them as. Not that they can't aspire to more and work on things, but uh, that makes sense that maybe if he sees himself as, you know, RJ Barrett and the Knicks already have RJ Barrett, there's probably a reason why Cam Reddish is is not getting more run up in New York. Yeah, I I think if, uh, you know, I think there was something earlier in the season that I, I could be completely wrong, but it was like, oh, the, the Lakers are interested in the Cam Reddish. It's like, that could be really good for him because mm-hmm. you, you if you're playing next to LeBron, like, you just got to do your own thing. Like, right. I'm obviously LeBron's turning 38 tomorrow, I think it is. Um, but still, like, just mentally, I think that would just ease his mind so that he stopped trying to do too much. So, yeah. I, I think if he aspired to the right role, uh, you know, he could have a long NBA career. How was he as a locker room guy? Like, I, I know there's maybe some clunky fits on court and stuff like that, but it seemed like he kind of meshed okay with guys off court. I think he was, he was kind of quiet. I think he got along with DeAndre Hunter pretty well. There are a couple of uh, kids from the Philadelphia area that came in together, but like, mm-hmm. you know, before we mentioned John Collins winning the Seku Smith award, Cam Reddish was not going to win that award. Um, in terms of dealing with the media, it was there were a a, uh, a record number of one word answers to questions, even when maybe one word did suffice. Okay, uh, it's par for the course, I guess. There's always a couple of those guys on every team, so um, as long as he's not sort of an active but issue. I, I think he, like I said, like I think in terms of like. I think it went okay for a number of years, and mm-hmm. then last year it didn't seem okay. So yeah. for whatever reason, like I think you know, uh, up until last year, it seemed like he got along with Hunter okay. I think he got along with his teammates and Trey okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, it, it seemed less okay. I, I don't, I don't have any information on the particulars, but sure. but the mojo was bad. It's a name that the other sort of popular trade destination for for the Wizards and, and Kyle Kuzma has been the Knicks. And so we routinely hear like, well, could we maybe give Cam Reddish another try? And I think he would be like one of the short list of people to come to Washington and get better. Uh, I mean, Kuzma has shown more here, but maybe Reddish could could come in and, and do something similar. So um, if you can buy low on a guy like that, it seems like maybe maybe it's worthwhile here. And we're used to guys giving like weird one word answers and some lip service. So, uh, you know, might be OK. Uh, Kevin, anything else you think might be interesting for uh, Wizards fans to know about stuff in, in Hawks world? Any other names that are, uh, you know, being floated out there that that you guys are looking to 
to get rid of or send our way. I would take Jalen Johnson, by the way. I'm I'm interested in him long term. Yeah, it's weird because you know they they've the Hawks are up against the salary, uh, the luxury tax. That they're, they're they're doing everything they can to stay under the luxury tax, and mm-hmm. so you know, you get this sense that you know they they need some players on the cheap that they can control for a couple of years, and that's exactly you know, where Jalen Johnson fits having a couple of more years on his rookie deal. Um, so it's like what's best for them over the next two years might be to, to, to play Jalen Johnson more now, but uh, what might suit them best for this season to, to be their very best is to play Jalen Johnson less. So, um, you know, the, the, the luxury tax and, and the unwillingness to, to go over that luxury tax is doing them, you know, really no favors in that regard. But uh, yeah, I don't know who, who's going to win the Southeast Division. Uh, a, a banner race to uh, slightly over 500. Is, yeah, is it going to be Heat? It's wild. I, I mean, you can't really root against the Heat or rule the Heat out. Uh, they always seem to do something there. But I've not been overly impressed in the times I've watched the Heat play this year. So uh, <laughs> I I think the division as a whole, like, I you could pretty much um, rule Charlotte out at this point. But even the Magic have looked pretty good over the course of the last month. So. Right. I have no idea how this one's going to play itself out, but but potentially the worst overall division in the NBA right now, I would say maybe at least the most yeah, average. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I so um, a couple more rock fights in our future. It seems like between <laughs> now and the uh, end of the season. <laughs> Kevin, this has been awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, for anyone who's looking for more Hawks coverage, where can they find your work? Uh, I I freelance for Hawks.com. The you know the official team website and i do a podcast called atl and 29 that's uh peachtree hoops sb nation uh you know blog for the hawks uh if you ever need anything wizards related as somebody from the sb nation side for the wizards at bulls forever i'm happy to return the favor so um thank you again for the time and uh good luck and and go hawks and i'll, I'll be <laughs> curious to see how this plays out uh with with john collins over the next couple months thanks it was it was fun talking to you Really insightful stuff from Kevin there. Hope you guys appreciate that. Again, writer for Hawks.com, the official team site there. He's in practice all the time. He's up close and personal with these guys and, and talking to them directly. And it's watching every Hawks game. So I figured rather than us just sort of speculate about, you know, what we think of certain players on teams that we don't watch that closely, let's hear from somebody that's an actual, you know, subject matter expert on on that particular team and, and player. So hopefully you guys found that interesting. I definitely learned a lot. To be honest with you, I'm a lot more encouraged about a potential Collins trade now, having heard that. Thinking through those things, hearing about the defensive impact, his ideal offensive role, it really does seem like it makes a lot of sense next to Kristaps Porzingis. We've seen success going big next to Gafford. And I think Collins can do a lot of some of those same things defensively and and give you more versatility offensively. So and that might be something that that maybe Tommy Shepard's got in mind, and and he's been a pretty good trader of players. And I think if you got Collins and could play him next to Porzingis, you could kind of run the three of them together. Gafford and Collins could play together, or still Gafford and Porzingis, and that would allow you to finally, finally, finally let Taj Gibson rest and not have to play him as sort of the first big off the bench based on this current uh, starting lineup with with Gafford in it. So. We'll see. It's intriguing. Uh, If you like this, rate, review, subscribe. Please tell a friend. Hopefully, uh, we're bringing you some insightful stuff here that you're not getting everywhere else. And, uh, you know, if you uh, you like what you hear, like I said, leave us a review. We always appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, we were presented by betonline.ag. We'll catch you next time.
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.